0: guys welcome to the second episode of our podcast today it's me alexandra and dan our head coach dan how are you
1: i'm good what's up dogs fans
0: <laughs> i like the enthusiasm what have you been up to dan kind of a weird fall obviously
1: very strange um you know uh, not getting started when we should have in october not recruiting through the end of the summer it was very weird um but uh as bad as it was for me, you know, obviously feel for our players, the guys that we are committed to is looking forward to the the strong team we had built through the end of last year and heading into the new season. So feel for those guys. Um, but uh, for me, have been filling my time, uh, you know, getting involved with the the junior dogs and Atlanta a lot and uh, helping out with some private lessons and stuff like that. So staying busy at the at the hockey rink right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of funny. I'm sure that um, just as one season ends for the hockey side, the, the hockey staff, um, you guys immediately start thinking about next season. It's the same with the front office. So at the end of last season, obviously ended abruptly, and we were all super shocked and trying to get used to that. But what were your what were going to be your goals going into the, the next season, this season that we would have been playing?
1: Uh, for me, it was all about getting a quicker start. Um, and some of that I was actually trying to address at the end of last season, the timing for last season is if we were to have a 2020, 21, 21 season, um, worked out pretty well for us. Um, you know, I got, uh, five, six good recruits in at the end of the season last year, which we were then able to protect. And, um, I was really looking forward to uh, getting a start with those guys at the start of uh, this, this season. Um, uh, like I said, the biggest thing for me was was getting away from the slow starts. A Big part of that is last year, the 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 stress that we went through at the start of the year, um, hockey wise. Anyways, um, I really found halfway through the year, a lot of it was me finding out how to really address the team and really how what what angles and who approach at and and how to communicate what what I was looking for on the ice and I felt like through the you know midway point through the through the end of the well when the season was called last year um, that communication got a lot better and, and we were seeing the results on the ice so um, the focus for me through the offseason was obvi- obviously is always recruiting but um, for me it was about how I lay it out and how I communicate things from day one so we don't run into that you know tough tough start that we're always playing catch up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It totally makes sense. I want to jump back to something that you said, though. Um, you said that you were really excited about five or six recruits that you had coming in. Um, now, obviously, every coach has their own like ideal player. But when you say you get excited about a recruit, what does that mean? What, what's their playing style that where you're excited for them to be a part of your team?
1: Well, the guys that we got at the end of the last year, obviously, um, with uh, two of them, we got to see them play against Quad City and Peoria. Um, you know, Brady Hepner was just a, an energy goer. Like uh, I love to see that somebody that skates nonstop. He was physical. His attitude was awesome. And then uh, we had Kyle Wagner also that weekend, and he. Uh, not as much of an energy ball, but he had so much coming straight out of college division three. He had so much poise with the puck. He was actually on our power play throughout that weekend and actually ran part of it. You know, he, uh, he, he had the confidence to take the puck and make plays and see the ice very, very well. So the two of them, I was really pumped about, um, then we had our three Oswego kids—one uh, defenseman and two forwards—that kind of came in and they were due to play. We had them signed. We were heading to Birmingham before uh, our season obviously got canceled. But there was a number of teams that were after those players. They were recruiting them as well. And we we landed them here in, Os- uh, in uh, Roanoke, um, and through one practice and just kind of their attitudes, I was very excited to see what they were going to bring. I, I got some. Uh, I played at Oswego for a year, um, and I have some connections there still. So. You know, through the references there, uh, I think they were going to develop into great pros. And, and it was just a great base to add to our core that we are going to be bringing back uh, for this season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, with with those guys that were on the protected list, um, I know that you were doing, you know, additional recruiting into that. But the guys that were planning on being in Roanoke for training camp in December, what kind of conversations did you have when when the five teams decided not to play?
1: Uh, those were the worst calls, you know, um, obviously having to tell them that we're not having a year. And the majority of them were eager and ready to, to play another season. There was, a, there was a few that, you know, were waiting to see how things played out. Um, some older guys, uh, Jeff Jones, for example, that, uh, um, you know, wasn't 100% sure he was going to play, but was looking forward to having a year where it didn't end the way the last year did. So possibly getting them back. Um, but it was tough. You know, most of the guys were asking what, exactly is going to happen with their rights and for a a day there 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 seemed to be a bit of a um a gray area where we weren't really sure um obviously now we've got some answers on that with our protected list guys um they're able to play anywhere which which is great for them they have something to look forward to i hope the guys that do want to play that they're going to find somewhere to play this year um make sure that they're staying in shape um throughout the whole list though everybody that i called um the theme was continuously mentioned that you know, it's to play somewhere for a year and they can't wait to get back to Roanoke. So that was always, that was great to hear uh, right down the lineup.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I feel like we had a really good core group of guys that um, had spent some time in Roanoke, like ending the season, especially Travis Armstrong. And obviously he's playing in Knoxville this year. So um, were you surprised to hear that he was going to play this year? I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure that you guys talk a lot since he was our captain.
1: Yeah, no. And, uh, not, not surprised at all. And, um, you know, he, uh, he's been in and out of town, uh, a little bit here and there through the summer. So I've been able to uh, keep a good line of communication with him. And, um, you know, he's one of those guys too, at, at the SPHL level, getting to the last, last few years, you know, um, getting older in the league and, um, you know, he wants to play in Roanoke again. And if that is the case, then it is so important for him to play a season. And, uh, you know, make sure it, that'll be a real tough thing to knock off the rust if he doesn't play for an entire season and look to fire it up again uh, next year. So I, I'm happy for him. I think wherever he ended up, obviously Knoxville picked him up, but wherever he ended up is getting, in, in, in my mind, one of the best, if not the best defensemen in the league. And I'm sure whatever team he plays for, he's going to go out and play um, the, the same way he does. That's the thing is, like, he wants to be in Roanoke, but he goes out there and he plays one way and it's hard and, and uh, he'll be a leader there for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I hope that we can make um, a staff trip out to Knoxville and other places too, but um, I would love to, I mean, it'll be a weird game to watch, but it would be cool to go out there and see him play. All right. So we talked about Travis Armstrong and you've coached three captains now, Nick Schneider, Steve Mealy, and Travis Armstrong. Um, Is there a characteristic that you look for in a player before naming a captain um, or is it, has it always been an obvious choice for you?
1: Um. For me, I mean, a little bit different. The The year I, I coached Schneider, I obviously came in halfway through the year. Um, he, he was captain when I came in. Um, but honestly, with the group that we had, I don't think there would have been another choice either. It was pretty clear that he was the leader. He's an older guy. Um, he, he's played at a higher level, uh, very capable on the ice. Uh, he was a good leader. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was thinking should have gone another way. Um, and then uh, with Steve the next year, um, you know, the, the biggest thing that I think uh, when it comes to a captain is the buy-in factor. And through the last half of that year, first year that I took over, I just saw Steve kind of, you know, obviously Nick was there, but Steve kind of took over in, in terms of that buy-in factor and he really drove uh, that success. Some of the, a lot of the success that we had uh, during that second half that year. So going into the next year um, you know, he, he was already flagged that I, I'm pretty sure he was going to be our captain. he came in with the same attitude and, and, uh, you know, worked really well through that season. Um, we got Travis uh, partway through that year and he stayed for the rest of the season. And um, I think, uh, you know, with some conversations, he liked uh, my coaching style. He kind of, uh, you know, was was tired of bouncing around at the AA level, the ECHL for a while and, and was looking for somewhere to kind of be full time the next year. So, you know, obviously in our exit meetings of that season, uh, we kind of talked about him coming back and I told him, you know, I think he's a guy that I I could see definitely taking the leadership role with this team. And, you know, he stepped in and and, uh, part of part of what I was talking about earlier about my communication and everything, I think he's only gotten better as a captain as I've gotten better with the communication on that too. And like how I talk to him about what's expected and everything, um, you know, it's been a learning curve for me as well. And I think every year, every game, every, every month with him, it's been uh, improvements in the way he's leading and really dominating uh, our, our team culture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've always really enjoyed um, having Travis around. He's been a really positive influence, you know. And we take him places too, out in the community. So. Um,
1: you take him places. That's funny. It's like uh, you throw him in the back seat and like a kid. And yeah, we we take him all over the place.
0: We take him all over the place. They probably feel like that sometimes. <laughs>
1: They do, but you know what, and, and you know what, I didn't even mention that, but that's such a great point is when we talk about him building and dominating and creating that uh, team culture that, that I want so badly. Um, it's, it's about the community too. And I mean, you know, when he's been in town when I've been with him, everybody knows Armstrong and that's exactly what you wanted of a captain. They know him. He takes so much time to make sure he's engaging with, with any and all all fans uh, around Roanoke and, and being involved in the community, whether it's at the rink, uh, Berglund or, or at Lancer lot, he's, he's always eager to do it. You know, I, I, I know when it comes uh, to, to making a call on who, who's got to be there, he's always going to be a guy that's going to say yes and get there. So yeah they um, the leader that way too
0: there are so many times after the game where I feel like he is the last player up talking to fans um,
1: oh, yeah. which
0: is I mean it certainly doesn't go unnoticed from the front office or the fans I'm sure absolutely I'm sure so um I want to talk about the first year that you coached um which was with us um and I know <laughs> that's an interesting situation so what kind of surprises did you face in those first couple months or even couple weeks
1: oh god um <laughs> too honestly too many um i remember that time and like i kept getting asked how the experience was and i kept saying whirlwind and that's that's honestly how it felt um, uh you know i've i've talked to uh, mickey a bit about this heading into this next year and or what was supposed to be 2020 here and and uh, this summer end of last year was the first time that i think i really started to feel like comfortable in in, in my spot you know i felt like i was really just treading water and something every time I felt like I was getting a, just an inch above uh, something else would get dumped on me and, and pull me back down a little bit so um but it what I learned oh my god every day that I showed up to the rink I think I learned 10 new things it, it was just so much getting piled on me and I loved it I think I'm a better I, I learned better kind of under fire and things just happening and kind of having to adapt um obviously you want that to happen quicker all the time you know I, I think uh every year it seemed to stretch out and longer and, and like I said the biggest thing has been my communication over the last couple of years last year in particular and um, getting to that point where you're starting to feel comfortable is so big but uh, yeah it was, it was so at the same time as being under fire it was also so exciting um, get an opportunity to maybe step into the career that you know I, I, I've dreamt of doing it and I've wanted to do it for so long and then hopefully something that I can build on and do for a really long time but that first the nerves, the excitement, everything was was incredible.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's another question that I had for you was when did you decide that you wanted to be a coach? Was that something that you knew at an early age maybe or, or on further down in your career?
1: Um, Maybe further in my career, definitely like uh, the last few years of pro. Um, I've, I guess I've always i 've always enjoyed seeing other people succeed and helping other people succeed, even if it's just a little bit um, i guess teaching in a way in a way whether it's whether it was in school I, I was always pretty good uh, academically and I try to try to help out uh, teammates and everything that way um, or my brothers for that matter and and uh, you know for me I, I always got a big satisfaction of seeing other people accomplish some goals or, or like uh, or improve themselves so um, and on the ice, that didn't change, you know, in the last few years, being able to uh, take lessons that I learned over, over the years playing and, and uh, seeing new rookies come in. And even if you can help them in just one small aspect of their game, I always took good, uh, great pride in that. So um, definitely thought that way towards the end of the career. And then obviously after my last year, I, uh, I got the opportunity to take a graduate assistantship in, you know, at Ohio University. Um, and the goal at that point was, you know, I love hockey. I want to be involved with it. Um, not a bad idea to further the education at the same time. And that was just, I was just going to kind of take it day by day at that point. I didn't really know.
0: Yeah. Now, did you ever consider sticking with the collegiate route? Uh,
1: honestly, anything and everything was open to me. Um, Ohio has a great, um, um, what is it? The, uh, it's not your, uh, MBA, but, uh, it's an athletic, um, masters uh in business management but uh, they have all kinds of people working in uh, in the nba and nfl at, at high levels so that's a two-year program and, and one of my thoughts was that uh, you know that might become a couple years there and try to get through something like that
0: yeah absolutely so um to flip this a little bit you obviously went and you were a ga for coaching did you ever consider working in the front office of a sports team
1: Yeah, it crossed my mind. I didn't know a ton about it. Actually, I think uh, this offseason, as odd as it's been, uh, spending more time uh, at the office and talking to yourself and Mickey uh, quite a bit more. This is probably the most I've learned about front office work. Uh, (laughs) As long as I've been in sports, it's kind of crazy that I'm just learning stuff now, but it's such a different world. But. Yeah, it was definitely on my radar. And, and sorry, that was the program actually at uh, Ohio is the MSA, Master in Sports uh, Administration. So gotcha. Uh, it's like a world renowned program. So yeah, it definitely crossed my mind, whether front office or some way. I, I know that I want to be involved in sports in some way. That's obviously the dream Just keep keep going in sports. And right now it's uh, the coaching avenue. I love it. I'm passionate about it. Um, and so I'm going to try to take this one as, as far as I can.
0: I know I can see you smiling over there. Lots of passion, heart of a teacher. Yeah. Um, so growing up, maybe, maybe this was growing up or maybe this was when you're pro, but can you think back to a coach that was really influential, not only on your playing style, but maybe influencing the way that you coach now?
1: Um, you know, I think every, every coach I've had has influenced me um, in good ways, some more than others. And, and, you know, there's obviously coaches that influence you in the other way, things that you don't really want to do. Um, I think my first, you know, well, my my dad actually coached me from when I could first skate, when I first stepped on the ice until, you know, I I was probably 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there. So I I played uh, under him for a long time. Um, And then I'd say my first real influential uh, coach was uh, when I started junior at uh, 17. Um, Tom McCarthy, he was an ex-NHL guy, uh, played 10, 11 years there, a couple all-star games and just uh he had kind of a crazy life actually played that long and then he retired and then he went to prison for for a number of years for some for some things and uh kind of a yeah it's another story altogether but his life experience and just kind of meeting this guy that's had such crazy you know top of the world experience to bottom of the world experience he uh not just on the ice but just uh outlook on life and everything he had a huge influence on me um, and then probably the, the next biggest one is, uh, actually the guy's still coaching in Peoria, uh, Jean-Guy, uh, we still have a great relationship and, and, uh, you know, I absorbed a lot of what he taught me. He opened my eyes to a lot of things that, um, you know, like I mentioned, working with the junior dogs is a big thing that I wish I was taught and I, I could absorb when I was their age. So it's something I'm, uh, constantly trying to, to preach now, um. And it never stops either. and And whether you're coaches you're or not, just people that you're still picking things up from, I mean the internet and although Facebook is generally filled with uh, political stuff right now there if you know where to look, uh, there's tons of things you can just continually learn um, through from hockey in, in there as well. so
0: yeah now from when you started to play, just as you said, you know, just as soon as you could walk, you had on skates, probably. Um, how has the game changed? Maybe it's technology with film or equipment or something, or has the game gotten faster over the years that you can tell?
1: I think I think definitely faster. I think that obviously the biggest difference in speed, I think, was in the oh four five six area when they kind of had the rule change after the the lockout. Um, and there was less clutching and grabbing and hooking. You could, you, the speed definitely changed. Then the game was a lot quicker. Um, as far as video, that, that's another thing that, like, I just, I wish I understood more when I was a younger player, that aspect of the game. I had the hard work and the grit and and passion for sure. But um, learning the game, I, t- I think, takes a ton of video. I think it takes a ton of game rep where it actually gets broken down to t- and I see the game a bit differently. Um, so I don't know if that's changed because I just was kind of, unaware of it when I was kind of growing into the game it's I think it's definitely more than it's ever been video aspect and obviously you know really likes to talk about analytics and and uh, there's definitely a place for that and, and I think it's just the way you approach uh, describing those analytics to break it down so the players can really understand what you're talking about because um, I sometimes the numbers just don't hit home for guys and it's more you got to describe it and, and, and talk about it in a bit more detail.
0: Yeah, are you a big analytics guy? Do you do you do a lot with statistics when you're talking to your players?
1: I I'd like to get more into analytics. If I can be completely honest, it's a tough thing. I think it takes a whole it takes somebody um, responsible for it, analytics on a, like a, on a staff, to be able to really hit home on it. Um, a lot of the things that we talk about, though. And when I say like the way you describe them can relate to analytics, you know, you talk about where you're shooting from and where you're scoring from. All those things are derived from analytics. Now, obviously, you know, if you're able to break it down and you have the video of every chance that you had from a certain area on the ice, there's a way to describe it where it's like hey, 98% of our quality scoring chances are coming from this spot right here that can help with some players you know but we talk about those areas i just think in just a little bit less specific terms when you don't have the ability to break down every opportunity
0: well and i know um it depends on the year but sometimes you're a one-man coaching machine too so i know that there's only so much analytical stuff that you know you really have time for in the locker room side of things
1: for sure and and i do I do love doing video. I do a ton of it. Ask any of the, the players that played for me. They probably get a little bit sick of it. But, you know, almost a daily thing where we're at least going over a few clips because I do believe it's the best way to learn to break it down and talk about the options and everything that you, you didn't see. Everything's happened so fast in the moment. And when you're able to see those mistakes, uh, you know, from 200 feet or further away, um, it really clears things up. And the re- repetition of seeing it and going through it again and again um, really opens guys' eyes. So... Um, But yeah, as far as like being able to do it all, um, you know, the assistance coaches I've had have been are are awesome Um, and uh, they help a ton. But it's just such a job to be able to um, go through those analytics every game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So what what will you be working on in the near future in terms of recruiting? We obviously you don't have to go through building a protected list because that's already set. Um, as we approach the next season, um, w- what do you still have left to do? Are there people that you still have to recruit? Um, are you assuming that maybe, you know, some guys that were planning on playing won't be playing? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, that, that's obviously a big thing. I think you almost got to approach it from a clean slate. Obviously, uh, from that list, there's going to be guys I, I'm going to keep in contact with everybody. Um, and I'm sure right now there's probably some guys that are saying they're going to play and and come four, five, six months from now, that might change from a long off season. On the other hand, it might happen the other way too. Um, You know, some of those older guys, I mentioned Jeff Jones, you never know uh, what situation he's in come next summer. And maybe there's the itch and he wants to play one more year. I think the way to go about it is, you know, I have this opportunity now with uh, you know, a little bit less obligations, obviously without having our season where, um, some advanced scouting and making sure that uh, I'm, I'm on it now so that, uh, you know, I can build some relationship with, relationships with these recruits through the next three, four five months. Um, you know, that being said too, it's a strange year at every level. So, you know, a lot of places where we might do a lot of our recruiting, some of them aren't having a year. Um, I mentioned the Oswego kids that we uh, signed before the end of the year last year. Um, they, uh, they announced uh, SUNYAC, the conference that they're in, actually isn't having any winter sports. So unfortunately for uh, all the kids in that conference, the kids out of Oswego, um, they're not going to be able to play a hockey season at all this year. So, you know, that doesn't mean I, it, I won't be reaching out and, uh, and seeing if those seniors are planning on moving on or um, I believe they've been given an extra year of eligibility. So, you know, you might see some that stick around for a second senior year, maybe a master's or something. Um, that can change the landscape too but I guess I guess long story short is uh, you know I'm looking at it as love the guys I have on my protected list love the guys that were part of our group last year Um, I'm going to be looking at it through this season as a a clean slate that I'm looking to recruit and make sure that I keep tabs on guys that are for sure coming back and ones that are on the fence to uh, to make sure that we're going in strong next year.
0: Well, um, I know this is going to be a weird winter for everybody, um, especially the players. I feel for the players being a former athlete myself. I know that you do too. I can't imagine, you know, not having that senior year or having that last year Mm. where maybe that's going to be the year after you retire. So um, our, our thoughts are with all of them. But I appreciate you answering our questions. That's all I got today. If you have anything else you want to add.
1: No, I don't. Just like, just like you said, though, I actually just felt like a gut punch when you uh, when you said that. Imagine losing that senior year or that, you know, we talk about the guys that are about to leave pro I and mean, maybe their last year and it got head short. But same thing with the guys that were about to be rookies, you know, um, even if these seasons do go off that are hoping to go the five SBHL teams and whatever else happens, um, you know, there's way fewer jobs. And a lot of guys that were looking to be a rookie, um, you know, it might put it off being a year. Or, you know, there's some that I'm sure that may never get the opportunity to be a pro now, um, depending on what happens with their year. So uh, feel for all of them. And, and uh, you know, I just hope uh, at the very least everybody stays safe through the, this whole thing and we get back to some kind of normalcy sooner than later.
0: That's right. I couldn't agree more. Well, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it.
1: No problem. Thanks, Lex.